Welcome back to Parent Life. I'm really glad to be here with you guys. I get a moment just to be here and do this right here at the end of the holidays. I'm really looking forward to it. Holidays are over and it is time to get into this new year. Nayeli is back with us for a minute right here at the end of the holidays. Uh, my son Kate is downstairs playing cello with his mom and the other one is still sleeping. Life is great. I think we all have those moments of doubt, fear, anxiety, wondering if our relationships are gonna fall apart. I've had those and I still have them. Right now, I am reveling in the joy of connection and life. Just what I have right now. A new year with those I love. Right now, life's awesome. So I saw one of my boys at Lowe's the other day. He's in his third year of college. He's still visiting his foster family. They offered to adopt him at 17 years old, but he said no. He's about as successful as can be expected, and his social skills are light years ahead of where they were when he, while he was in my home, because I remember. He was with us for about a year and a half, and it was a struggle the whole time. Kids who grow up in facilities and move into a foster home at 16 just don't finish college. They just don't. I'm really proud of this kid, and I know that my faithfulness regarding consistency and relationship building, building, relationship building with him was part of his success. How much? I don't know, but I certainly know it was part. Alright, let's jump into this. That visit that I had with that young man at Lowe's the other day reminded me of some of the things that I was very intentional about at the time. Some of those things now, especially today, what I'm calling gentle connection. There's things that I haven't really had on the forefront of my mind when I'm just living with my biological kids. And it's really good for me to be reminded of this. So today is, there's definitely some review from me in this as well. As I go back and I remember what I was focusing on and what I was making a priority. And some of it I've kind of allowed to slide as I haven't been quite so intentional with my own biological kids. So here we go. Let's, let's talk about one of the things that I specifically did with this young man. Now, obviously it's not the single reason for his success, you know, no way, but I'd say, you know, maybe two, three, 4% of our success with this kid came from what I'm talking about today. Maybe more, maybe less. I don't know but I know that it did produce a positive result. It's about gentle connection. It's about the way that we look at our kids and we establish through our look the kind of relationship we have with them. Let's, let's talk about the knowledge that our kids have, very specifically emotional knowledge. Kids don't understand their own emotions. Okay, a lot of adults don't understand their emotions either, but we're talking about kids and Yes, it's our job to help them be self-aware emotionally, but it's going to be a process, right? That doesn't just happen overnight. We don't just say, hey, be emotionally self-aware. <laughs> we communicate value to our kids, and we help create emotions in them. So anybody who's lived in any kind of strong connection and community, you know that the, the people around you can create emotions in you happiness, excitement, fear, anxiety, depression. We trend towards the emotions that are happening around us. 
the value of uh, concert tickets have skyrocketed in the last couple years. And my personal opinion is that a lot of people go to concerts because of the emotion that they experience there, because of the the wave of happiness or exuberance or elation, whatever is happening. And we we want to work to create that in our kids and in ourselves, in our home. Not be false or fake about it, but real connection through real emotions. I've talked about mirror neurons and babies in the past, and it's a massive part of their brain when they're younger, and, and they're learning from us, they're learning facial expressions and emotion, and it allows our children to mirror us and learn our emotions at the same time. As they get older, we make this much more of an intentional process. It's not just automatically happening. We, we have a step-by-step process. This is how we do it, how we create it in ourselves, and how we pass it along to our kids. Okay, so how do we do that? Voice, words, and looks. The famous person said, the eyes of the window to the soul. I don't know who... <laughs> But it's a famous, famous phrase. We gaze into their eyes with affection. We look at them with love and interest. Somewhere between babyhood and two years old, we begin to have facial changes with our kids. We begin to look at them differently. We are either frustrated or exacerbated, angry or tired. Our kids respond to those looks, but they also respond to their own desires. Oftentimes, desires we have explicitly spoken to them about, such as stop throwing your food on the floor or stop hating your sibling. (laughs) They wanted the toy. They didn't want that food. They wanted a different type of food. So they, they are learning to express themselves, which is healthy. However, that expression, obviously various types of expression, especially regarding around negative emotions, oftentimes can be very unhealthy. We don't consequent for emotions, but we do consequent for the expression of those emotions. And I'm talking about much more older kids now. Younger kids, we address it, and, and it, that, that's very tricky. At, at, you know, I'm not talking about two-year-olds here. I'm talking about kids, the, the ones specifically I was working with, you know, 10 years old and older, as they would have, dis, they would have um, maybe anger or... Uh, depression and if that showed in as disrespect or if it was vindictive or aggressive we would assign a consequence now emotions we can't dictate or decide what emotions we have right they can't be controlled in that sense but they can be controlled to a degree they can be directed okay or they can be allowed to run their course in a certain way that is that is healthy, or at least not unhealthy to those around them. We can also reward certain emotions and retard others through consequences. There's, we never give a reward or a positive stimulus for a negative emotion. We don't ever want to support that, okay? And, and a lot, I see a lot of parents doing this just out in public or like at church, people tell me stories. And, and it's very easy to have compassion on a kid or be trying to just ameliorate the situation and hand out a reward for negative emotions. And, and 
unknowingly reinforce that. So we want to be very, very intentional about this. There's The reason it's so important to not give nice things or pleasant things when a negative emotion is controlling a kid is... Okay, so for example, we don't want to stimulate them with video games or treats or a movie for negative emotions. There is a masking and or avoidant effect that happens here, and it doesn't negate the emotion. It only makes it dormant. So it's coming back. The question is just how soon is it going to come back? It's almost always best to let the emotion run its course properly in the moment. And then we move on to the rest of life, especially the fun parts of life. It took us a while to learn this, okay? But the basic mantra after a little while was, when you have a good attitude, you can join us. The reason, <laughs> the reason we learned this very clearly was because one bad attitude in a group, an ad, a, bad, a person who has determined to have a bad attitude or cannot, cannot get a hold of it, they ruin the whole group really quickly. There, there is no fun happening in a very short amount of time with someone who's determined to have a bad attitude. And so we would. So very quickly it became our policy of that person steps away from the group until they're ready to rejoin the group with a good attitude, which, which really was at least a neutral attitude, right? As long as you're not being actively negative, come on in, join the group. But one person being actively negative, sour the group every time. So, the look. Let's talk about ourselves as emotional leaders for a moment. We want to have multiple times every day where we give our kids the look. Words are important. We know this. We all know that. In fact, I did a whole podcast about affirming words. If you feel like that's something you struggle with or you really want to listen to that, it's there in the archives. But the look is important as well. This look says, I love you says, I think you're amazing. It's a look that communicates interest. It's fun. It is not negative. This look gives value. It gives meaning. It gives importance. This look says, you're incredible. The look allows the child to see into our soul. It says how lucky we are to have them, how special they are, and very specifically, how special they are to us. This look is not frustrated, it's not exacerbated, irritated, sad, disappointed. So here's how you do it. Let's practice. Whatever you're doing, driving, at home, whatever you're doing, take a moment right now to do this. Okay? Gentle your face. Gentle your face. Smile. Smooth the furrow out from between your brows, your eyebrows. If you have to, just... Take your finger and smooth your furrows out. Unclench your jaw. Let the cares of today float away. Squint your eyes just a little bit and look. It's when the enjoyment of presence combines with the pleasure of being. So as you are there in that moment, parent, truly there, and you are there with your child, and you are enjoying their presence, you're communicating that in a look. 
It says my world is better because you're in it. It says you are special, extraordinary, and fun. No matter what type of behavior your child evinces right now, they are desperate for the look. Practice the look and do it with your child. Please hear me. This is important. So now that we know how to give the look and the importance of the look, let's talk about correction with the look. So if you're anything like me, there was a lot of correction that needed to happen. Our children that were in our house were oftentimes treated each other very badly, and oftentimes they would be disrespectful to us, or they wouldn't be following the rules somehow, or they would be refusing to do something that had been asked of them. Sometimes it was actually required by the state. So there was a lot of correction that attended life with the kids. As I've discussed in the past, too much correction and no connection, and it's just not going to work. They're just going to push back because they don't believe that they are liked or enjoyed, appreciated or loved. However, we can't go to the other side and give no correction. <laughs> then we're not helping the child to just, just let, give their emotion full reign on whatever they, wanted to do, whatever they want to do. They're going to be living in the world where they're going to have to have some self-control on their emotions and their behaviors and actions. So we have to walk that line with that balance. The correction, as I've always said in the past, it needs to be short. Short, short, short. Short teaching, a short explanation of the consequence of necessary, and then we move on. It depends on the situation, on whether or not I attach affection to the consequences. Here's, here's what I mean by that. You know, if there's a hug or if I'm doing the look right after I give consequences, it depends on whether or not I believe that their heart has changed. If their heart hasn't changed, I will wait until after the consequences and they have, they're at least following the rules. And even then, if I can tell that, I can tell that they are still hard or recalcitrant or somehow they're just not, they're just not on board, at that point, if they're, if they're following the rules, I will still try. I will still try to connect with them. I will give the look the best that I can. That doesn't mean that they're going to accept it, but I absolutely try. However, if we try and attach the look too often, right after we've given consequences or right before, and their heart hasn't changed, then that tends to backfire. That's just personal experience talking. It tends to backfire. Usually I keep it separate. I do make sure where I have other times where I do the look outside of any kind of a negative interaction. So it's not attached to correction or teaching in any way. If every interaction you're having with your child is negative, something seriously needs to change. Either your standards need to come down or you need to spend some significant time filling your child with worth because they are feeling worthless and they are acting out. At just, I'm not going to elucidate on that anymore. Something needs to change. Suss out your own emotions. Calibrate. Take a second while the child is serving their consequences to get your head straight. 
This is part of the reason we advocate time in or table time. The, both, during all of these consequences, the child is not to be talking. So they are just quiet, serving their consequence. You, parent, have some time where you are not interacting with the child to recalibrate yourself. It allows you, the parent, to settle down. It allows you to clear, clear your head without allowing the child to escalate or allowing them to continue on unaddressed. A lot of parents are like, I'm just going to turn the TV on while I get, go get my head straight. No, no, no. You just wait until they are settled down, and then you can, you can get yourself straight. So, you can give the look and then give a consequence 30 seconds later. <laughs> I've done it. <laughs> I tried to lead a kid towards connection and calm, and he just wasn't having it. He got disrespectful instead, and so it ended up turning into a consequence, and he went back to the table to sit down. That's okay, right? We lead in a certain direction, and if they refuse, get disrespectful and go the opposite direction, it's fine. You know, they just get a consequence. Our kids will push us away at times, and they'll use different means of doing that, mostly because of the trauma in their past. Don't worry about it. Just hit reset and try again, try again later. Once the child has properly served their consequence, reconnect with the look. It only takes a moment. In conclusion, parents, I just want to speak a word of encouragement over you for a moment. For this year, I pray a blessing over you. I pray a blessing over your kids this year. Some of you are having a hard time right now. Don't get down. Stay the course. You are incredibly necessary in the life of your child. I pray blessing over your relationships. I pray blessing over your skill as a parent. May your skill dramatically increase this year. This is not, I hope you don't take this to be offensive in any way. None of us are perfectly skilled parents. All of us can improve. Parenting's like anything else. It's not just a natural gift. It comes with practice and time and effort and we get better over time. And I pray that your skill this year as a parent would take dramatic leaps and bounds. I pray strength, endurance, I pray determination over you to plant love in your family and nurture it into vibrant joy. I pray peace, I pray fulfillment, I pray sustainability in your efforts and in your relationships. I pray these things, parent, because you are changing the world.